Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Delvecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author and colleague, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a broadcast that we do live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then it's available for a replay on YouTube and Facebook and as an audio only file on Anchor and Apple and a whole bunch of other podcast outlets. We welcome your participation in our program. And so please consider writing us your suggestions, your questions, sending us your stories. We love to receive your stories and we mm -hmm. share some of them every chance that we have. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at N Saxton Lopez. That's N S A X T O N L O P E Z at C S M P C dot com. And in particular, this week, we ask that you send us your practices, the things that you're doing to help you take care of yourself and cope with your loss and put one foot in front of the other. We're asking you this right now because this can be a particularly difficult time mm -hmm. for people because we're right in the thick of the holiday season. And so if you share with us and you tell us it's okay to share with our audience, we'll share some of the things that you're doing that are helping you to, to take care of yourself and to get through what might be a very difficult time for you. We like to let you know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community supported animal welfare organization that provides shelter and medical care and spay neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. Since its inception in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and make a donation. And I'll say that again and make a donation at Dakin humane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. And we also just like, would like you to know that the program is kind of a, an extension of the book that Nancy and I wrote. It's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. It's based in our decades of shared experience working to provide support in groups to people who have lost their animal companions. So as we get started today, our theme, one of our themes for today was the idea that for many people, and we're hearing so much about this in some of the communications that we're getting from people, for many people, the relationship that you have with your animal companion is really at the center of your emotional life. It's what we're calling an emotional oasis. And I just want to give some examples. So we heard from Kelly regarding her dog, Toto, who she said is her superhero. Really the organizing feature of her emotional, I guess you would say her emotional stability in a sense. And she, this, this is a person who is extraordinarily skilled and at the very, very top of her profession. She's a nurse who is in the field of critical and crisis response care. And her dog, who she recently lost, is, is really, was really an organizing feature of her emotional world. And she makes that very, very clear. We have a person who wrote to us recently 
Her name is Michelle. Her cat's name was Tom. And she says that Tom became her world, mm -hmm. became my world. And we recently heard from Jesse, who said that Benny, her cat, was the most cherished gift of my life, a creature from God, the universe, just for me. And we are hearing, and, and we just got a note from another woman who said that her, her pet, Bella, her little dog, was her life, was my life. So we, we, say, we, we say these things that at the get-go this week because we just want to honor how deeply important our animal companions are to so many of us. And we're hearing from so many people who say things that make us, make us feel that the, the importance of these relationships yes. really cannot be overstated, can't be overstated. These relationships we have with our companion animals are different than any relationships we he we have with our humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we've talked about this over the podcast that, you know, these, these animals give us strength. There are rocks, mm -hmm. there are compass, you know, there are guiding lights, all of these wonderful things, because all they do is just love us. Yep. Right. Yep. There it's unconditional love. All they want to do is to get pets and to be fed and to be cuddled and, you know, to be able to get outside or get some exercise or play. It's so simple. And the interesting thing is they, they live in the moment. And you know what? Most of us don't live in the moment. Oh, not at all. Yeah, not at but all. You have to live in the moment when you're with your animal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're your comfort. So, it you know, people, you know, around us don't necessarily understand it's the relationship we grieve yep yep even so they have four legs or they may be a, a birdie with two legs whatever that is mm -hmm. it's about the relationship yep and that relationship yep. is different than any other relationship yep so do we want to talk about some of these cases that we've recently learned about yes heard from people so, uh, you know, Michelle, Michelle and Tom, um, you know, that that was a very sad story um, because Tom um, was only two years old and he, he was the cat and she only had him for six months and he was really ill during that six really months. Really almost all of the time, right? He was yeah. struggling. Um, and, you know, it's such a, a an agonizing anxiety um, experience, right? Because you love this little animal, but the animal is sick and there's a lot of caretaking and there's a lot of treatment and there's a lot of energy that has to go into that. And, and also she lived... She lives alone. She lived alone. And the pandemic, she was very isolated as so many single people are or were during the pandemic. And so he was just one of these situations became my world is, is the way she described it. Exactly. And so. Now, and that was in the, and I think she, uh, she had gotten Tom early in the pandemic. Um, so it, it, five months later, all of a sudden, after after Tom died, she moved. And so now we're talking about 
she had grieved and then she kind of put it out of her head a little bit but when she moved and she she moved from the apartment that she had with tom the all of that grief came back yeah which which happens a lot major yes. changes will often bring up the the grief that that we experienced and it can be very surprising and disturbing, but that's, you know, changes of all kinds. When we, when we move, when the seasons change, when the holidays hit, when their birthday comes around, yeah. that sort of thing, the date of adoption, the anniversary of the day we adopted them. But she had some very particular issues that really were heart wrenching in that she's listening very carefully to the veterinarians and Tom was really sick and he had gotten himself as, as cats will often do. He had gotten himself tucked into a cubby where he was very hard. He, it was hard to get him out. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times animals will isolate when they're not feeling well and they're not. Right. Or they're dying and they go somewhere to die. Right. Yeah, I they're, mean, go, they're going somewhere to die. And the veterinarians told her to get him out of there and bring right. him to the vet's right, office. Then which she, she tried to do. She tried to coax him out. She tried to startle him. It sounds like she was following their directions 100% closely. Mm -hmm. And he, he came out of the cubby, but then he died right, right. there. I think he vomited and, and um, yeah. yeah, which then caused, of course, our favorite emotion, um, <laughs> a tremendous amount of guilt. Right. Yeah. Did I cause this? Did I, when I was trying to pull him out, was that what killed him? Yeah. We're all, we're always ready to, to pile on ourselves. I, know. I mean, people who love and are, and are so, so conscientious about their pet's care. It, it, it's so typical that we're the people who will just think all kinds of horrible things about what, what I should have done or how I should have done it differently, or should I have even followed the expert advice of veterinarians? And so this is her situation. And it's just so important to be cognizant of how typical that is, that that's yes. what happens and to try to be very kind to yourself and to let it go, you know, just kind of just try to let those feelings of guilt pass through you because they're probably going to come and go and come and go. And the more you focus on them, the more you the hang more on to them, becomes. the more power you might give them. I, I talked, I have a private client that I was working with today about that, that guilt, mm -hmm. you know, having to make a euthanasia decision. And she, she kept saying to me, I, I don't really want to think about this because I can't tolerate feeling this way and I don't want to feel like this anymore. And so, and that's, that's what the guilt is hard with that, right? Because this emotion that we all have and many times with even a sudden death, I shouldn't have been there at the, at that time, yeah. Um, yeah. an anticipatory death. I didn't yeah. take them to the vet again. A, um, you know, a euthanasia decision, I, 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 something else could have happened. And so it's, guilt is, is a very difficult emotion throughout, you know, any kind of grieving. Um, well, it, it is. And, and sometimes people feel like I'm going to, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about mm -hmm. it. 
that is in fact thinking about it. Exactly. And, and so one of the things that I think is just so important is to allow for it. Yes. And to try to, in a sense, to try to watch the feeling as it comes through you and as it sort of exits as well. But if you try not to think about it, it's, it's, it it's a bit up. of a, it's a bit of a, of a puzzle because, but because you actually will be holding on to it. You can't try not to think about something because that means you're thinking about it. You can try to focus on other things, right? You try to distract yourself, which sometimes is, is helpful, but you know, I've, I've, I talk to clients about if these feelings are so overwhelming, I said, all right, you ha- you can do this. You can feel that way for 10 minutes Yeah, and then get up and do something else. Yeah. And that comes over you again. All right. Give it another 10 minutes. So yeah. you're not denying it, but you're yep. not continuing to be in it. Yep. Yep. Um, and sometimes that's helpful because like we said in the beginning, you have to put one foot in front of the other and you have, and you have to keep going. We have to yep. keep living and we have responsibilities. Yeah. Well, you know? what you describe is also, you know, sometimes it's almost like a paradox. Like if you, if you say, I'm going to spend 10 minutes feeling guilty at about minute six, maybe I shouldn't say this, <laughs> but you might just feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like if you kind of force yourself to feel guilty for a certain period of time, it might help you to actually move away from that. Exactly. It's so there's different things will work for different different people people under different circumstances. But for this situation, what I keep thinking of is you, 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 you've got to do everything you can to try to forgive yourself and realize that what you're experiencing, you know, what Michelle is experiencing is, is just very commonplace. Mm -hmm. Got reawakened by the move Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because she was in in some way tying the, which makes sense, she's tying the relationship to that particular apartment. And then when you leave, it's another kind of loss. Right. Yeah. And also, she she said something that's interesting and another theme is when she was getting stressed or depressed or anxious about something else, it exacerbated her breathing. Right. Yep. So remember that can't happen. Yeah. So then the next the next case was John and his cat Tango, right? Right. And he just kind of suddenly got ill yeah. and very, very ill indeed. And very quickly. Right. When, within, when, I think it was almost within a week span, something on that order. Yep. And when they they took him to the vet multiple times and were trying to get this stabilized, it seems like. But on the last visit, the family had decided that this poor cat was so very sick that it was it was time, time to, you to, to let them go. And the vet agreed and they did. John was, John took the cat to the vet and she was in fact euthanized. And, and John then felt like maybe he shouldn't have done it. That maybe maybe he should. should. Well, I think there was supposed to be a B12 shot. I mean, all of a sudden after they decided that maybe then what I think his primary vet said, well, we could give her a B12 shot. And then he 
he kind of got caught in that and because everyone that that was part of his guilt right yeah, he kind yeah. of got caught in it they'd already made that decision you know would that have worked would that not have worked um and his what i wrote down for him was the thought of euthanizing terrified me as i had never had to do it before yeah and when and when he did decide he then was totally ambivalent about it and felt like maybe they should have tried one more B12 shot because one yeah. of the bets had mentioned that it was possibly going to be helpful, but at the same time said that it would probably not make much of a difference. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, one of the things that I always think about is these are extremely complicated circumstances. Right. And you synthesize a whole bunch of different information of infra streams of information. Right. And you make the best decision that you can. And then when it's over, you're very, very likely to go through all kinds of ruminations. About, ruminations, what ifs, I, maybe yeah, I shouldn't and, have. Right. And, and so it's, it's important to just say to yourself, I did the best I could right. at that time. It's a very complicated situation. It's never going to be a hundred percent certain because there's always going to be points of uncertainty or slight differences of opinion or whatnot. But he made the decision with his family that this, based on information from all his information, right? that right. this suffering, this cat was suffering much more than they were getting anything good out of being alive. That the suffering greatly outweighed any potential for having a, a good experience in being alive. And so they made the decision to euthanize and that was the right decision. There's no two ways about exactly. it. And, and so that doesn't mean he's not going to continue to have those ruminations, <laughs> those well, you regrets. Know, you and I have been through this also, you know, when you're, in the situation where things are moving very quickly yep. and your animal is sick and getting sicker mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the anxiety that one will have the, the, the frightened scared anxious nervous upset it's really hard to make any of those decisions right and so after the fact, you you would have these these feelings of guilt, right? But all of us can relate to that. Those feelings, yep. I'm sure you did with Is, uh, Isabel and Abigail. I mean, yep. I mean, you know, what do we? How are we going to do this now? And how are we going to do it? it, it is yep. it right? Is it the right time? Yeah. I mean, yep. I Should have I have taken her directly to an emergency vet? Right. You know, would right. they have been able to save her? You know. <laughs> right. And and but that feeling. I mean, now the my boogie has been having some seizures and watching that trying to give him medication i'm shaking right because yes. you are going through such an emotional experience you know and that's what happens here i mean you know it, it's happened for all of our folks that are yep. listening or have written to us it's and so we have to give ourselves you know some you know some uh, kind of oh, it's okay i mean we we you know some comfort with this because this is what we're going through it's not an yep. easy time it's and, very emotional and also i feel like when you feel yourself 
going through those regrets when you're saying I should have, if only I had, you know, that kind of stuff. It's important to say to yourself, well, this is part of grieving. This is what happens. This is part of grieving. And I just have to allow it to happen, not get too caught up in it and realize that this is eventually it's going to settle eventually. And I, I remember after Abigail's death, because I had these thoughts of maybe I should have raced her right to the emergency vet. Maybe I shouldn't have taken her to our vet. Then we got her to our vet and they called the emergency vet because they said, we want to make sure that they actually have an oxygen tent open. And if they do that, they want to give her, maybe they want, they want us to give her some medications before we go. And in fact, they did want to give her some medication before. And then, then she died basically. (laughs) And so the thing that, that I kept wondering was, and I kept saying to myself was, I should have taken her right to the emergency vet. And then I, then I would say to myself, look, you loved Abigail. You took the best care of her. You possibly could. She's gone. No, none of this is anything but just emotional churning. None of it has, there's, this is over with, and she had a great life. And there's, that's, you can't do any more with. So yeah, you gotta, you may have to think these things, but I, I kept saying to myself, don't get too wrapped up in them. I just let it happen and let it go. But yes. And that's, and that's the way to try to work with it the best way that any of us can. It's just not easy to do. You know? Um, And so, in fact, Boogie's coming in. So, (laughs) so, um, but and everyone has those questions about euthanasia. Yep. You know, yep. um, some people, you know, the, one of the women I was talking to today that was wanted this over, you know, she really wanted her 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 dog to die naturally. Now, I mean, yeah, mm. I mean, you know, however, mm. death doesn't necessarily mean just going to sleep. No, exactly. Like for some animals, it's yeah. extremely painful. And yep. very disturbing to watch. Yep. And death isn't great anyhow, any way you slice it really. Yeah. You know? So. Um, I, I mean, I think about, whenever I think about death, I think uh, uh, I would prefer to be euthanized if I were in terrible pain. <laughs> and I know some people who have basically taken that that route because. Well. It, I knew it was over. Yes, and, and, and I won't say what hospice, but some hospices, you know, oh. they're there. That is kind of what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Right? If absolutely. you have pain, but you're not getting anything else, you make it yeah. more morphine, more morphine, more morphine. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So and that's, and that is a kindness. Absolutely. Yeah. The way I see, it. I mean, people have different philosophical perspectives on that, but I see it as, wow. Yes. Because when you hear about, the way some people die oh, from their illnesses, it's, it sounds like it's absolutely excruciating um, and for a, quite a duration. That's right. So, and, no, we don't and, want that. And it could be with animals too. I mean, there was a young man I worked with and he wanted his animal, his dog to die naturally. But then when it started to happen, he freaked out and wanted to go to an ER vet and he couldn't find one. He was in, he got lost. He was so upset. Yeah. And yeah. the dog died in a very painful death in, in the yeah. backseat. So we just can do what we do. Yeah. We do the best we can do. Yeah. So we have, do you want to go through the, this other story about Benny? Yeah. I mean, this was a, um, this was a couple that are, are very much 
passionate about taking care of cats. They, they are cat angels. Yes, they are Jesse cat angels. and Juan. Right. <laughs> and um, and they would a lot of strays, you know, taking care of the strays and feeding I feeding feral cats. Yeah. Right. Taking at least one to be neutered and then bringing them back to. I mean, really deep investment in caring for cats who are really on edge in terms edge, of their, right, struggling, their survival right? situation. And I think Benny was one of the the kittens from one of these, I think it was Clarice. Okay, Benny they, was born had, under Jesse's bed. That's right. So she, Benny was as close to, uh, to Jesse as a cat could be. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, now, the interesting thing or the sad thing about Benny was that I think Jessie was gone. She was visiting family and her partner um, was in the house. Right, Juan was with. Juan and, and, and found Benny just kind of laid out on, on the, in the hall or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, had been playing the day before, right? Boom, you know? Yep. And he yep. was only two years old. Yep. So here's another example of a younger, a younger yep. animal. Um, and the unfortunate part was that, um, Benny did die and, and of course, then all the guilt, right? Here's Jesse. He's, she's on the phone with Juan. She's visiting family, but she's not anywhere near where Juan and the um, cats are. Yeah. And, you know, she's feeling so incredibly bad that she's not there. Right. With, with, with Benny. You know, and that's in the, that's you know a really difficult thing when you when you can't do that, right? You and and she asked that Juan ha take Benny's body home from the vet right. so that she could say goodbye, which is something that a lot of people do. And she noted that I did the that you same did thing that. with that's right with Isabel. Tim was away visiting family in Georgia, as he happens to be right now. In fact, down there in Georgia, and so. We took Isabel home and she was in the freezer for a few days. Mm -hmm. And then we took her out and both said goodbye to her. So, you know, you do these kinds of things that help to, as she, as she said, as Jesse said, it, it helped her to, to realize, to yeah. really know that Benny was, was dead. Right. And so that, that was a very important thing for them to do. And it's important. I mean, you know, you and I worked at the same hospital and I was down in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when people came in and they had died, you we would work with the family to actually come in and see them. Yep. Because and some people didn't want to, and we had to respect that. And we also mm -hmm. had to tell them how the person was looking, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. the tubes and everything that were trying to save them. Mm -hmm. But it does create the beginning of, of some sort of healing, you yeah. know, because yeah. to really see that, that person. Like to acknowledge, oh. right. To acknowledge that. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know what that is. So, um, but you know, we, we want to, we've got a couple minutes, but yes. Um, I, I think that, you know, Jesse and Juan, you know, had that, closure together he had already seen obviously Benny had died yep. um and then and and it was so sudden I mean that was another one of one of the more difficult things he had been playing the day before running around and then boom 
you know, and obviously they don't really know what happened to him. Yep. Um, so I wanted to read just a little, little note that I think I'll always remember this, actually. This is from from Jesse's note. She said, I'll leave you on this note. In 2014, when we took August in from the street, I was at the grocery store, and that August is one of the cats. I was at the grocery store buying a bunch of cat food, and the cashier recognized me and said, what happened? Are you feeding stray cats? And I said, yeah, kind of, <laughs> without giving him the full scoop. And he said, you know, in my religion, Hinduism, when you take care of God's creatures, you're taking care of God. Ah, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And mm -hmm. so I, just, I really want to thank Jesse for that sentiment because mm -hmm. it's so, it's just so beautiful. And it's something that I'm going to hang on to. Yes. I mean, we, well, all of us, you know, that love animals, we are seeing that relationship and however and religion or spirituality you want to, to you know, believe in, it is one of the most amazing relationships you can ever have. Yep. So as we close too, I want to just remind people, please send us your practices for taking care of yourself because we'll share them with the audience next week. And it, it'll, it'll in a way replicate what happens in a group where people talk about how they're managing to yes. take it's each step forward, each day forward. Cause if you can share what works for you, it's probably going to be a real gift to others who hear about it. So please consider please doing do that. that. Just send us a note and, and we'll share what we get next week. And also um, even, you know, we want to thank Jesse and, and we want to thank, thank Michelle and Kelly and John because, you know, in writing all this important, you know, in, you know, feelings about what happened to their beloved animal and what was going on is a really wonderful ritual and memorial. And so if even if you don't want to send something to us, we suggest writing out a story. It can help a lot. It can help you to to just memorialize and, and process mm -hmm. what you've, what you've been through. So yeah, helpful. Nancy, always a pleasure talking with you and we'll look forward to our conversation next week. Next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay.